The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning as we take a few minutes out of our day to study the Source of Truth. And of course, that is uh, the Word of God. And we're glad you're with us and hope that for the next few moments, we can be an encouragement in your day. Uh, as you know, we've, if you've been following along, we're in the book of Job, and we are just about to finish Job chapter 2. Uh, we've referenced that Job is one of those stories that from the human mindset, we often sit back and say, it just doesn't make sense. A very good, godly man is allowed by God, is, is allowed by God to have well, some bad things happen to him by Satan. And, uh, and you look at it and you think, well, then God must not love him. And the human mind begins to roam into all of these preconceived notions of what our relationship with God should look like. And frankly, we might even justify anger in the mind of Job in our minds. That might be something we might think about. Well, what I want to do as we continue this is I want to look at a section of Scripture this morning that gives us a little bit of insight into something that is needed in times of grief. One, it gives you the legitimate amount of grief that Job was enduring, and then it gives us some insight to what is needed. Now, one of the things we're going to look at, we're going to look at the introduction of three friends that come to be an encouragement to Job. Now, if you've read through the book of Job or studied, most occasions these men are mocked. All right? They're mocked for their indifference. They're mocked for their ignorance, the things they say. Um, but can I challenge you that while they are mocked because all they can do is try to give human answers to supernatural happenings, uh, while we look and sometimes say it's silly and we can, we'll learn as we get closer to that, we'll learn from them, uh, I will say they came. All right? They came and they spent a long period of time with Job. Um, and, and so I want to challenge us this morning as we look at this, instead of looking ahead to some time that they, they could have done better at, let's just take a moment and see they were there and let's learn some things from this. So Job chapter 2 in verse 7. Now when Job's three friends heard all this evil was come upon him, they came every one from his own place. Eliphaz, a Temanite, or Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. So they sat down uh, with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was great. So we look at something. First of all, I would say this, and all of us know at some point, when you're grieving, you need to be alone to be able to process. But then there's a point where you don't need to be alone because if you allow yourself to be alone too long through the entire process of grief, grief can turn into uh, large amounts of depression and things of that nature. You need someone else. We are not, we are not to bear our burdens alone. God places one of the benefits, one of the reasons that God has designed church is in family for that matter, is so that you can have other people to come along and help you bear burdens, maybe help you do uh, daily things that you need in your life and at home, maybe just sitting there listening. Um, can I tell you something else? There's one thing in this passage that I think Personally, I think they did well. I mean, when they opened their mouth, they proved me wrong. But in this occasion, these men sat there for seven days in silence. Ever had this time where you say, well, I'm afraid to talk to somebody in grief because I don't know what to say. Um, this is perfect. 
Uh, you know, you, again, you'll find out as we move on when they do begin to speak, uh, they should have just kept their mouth shut. But in this scenario, they just came. We all, you know, we come with Isaiah, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I can talk to that person because I don't know what to say. And I've even heard people come in and say, well, I'm going to use Bible. And so somebody in the midst of intense grief and someone will quote Romans 8, 28, a phenomenal verse, a great verse, a great promise. But they come to them and say, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God loves you. There's something good from this. While we know that theologically, it doesn't necessarily help us at the moment to, uh, to justify or quantify the pain that we're enduring. So we've got to be careful, we've got to be wise in our approach and how we deal with certain things and just don't do this. When you're trying to help somebody, don't try to say something to make yourself feel better. That's usually what we do, right? We're, it's awkward, so I gotta say something. In most cases, just remaining silence, the answer. Grief often brings a lot of silence. People just process and there's nothing to say. Your presence is really all that's necessary. But in this situation, you need some help. Let's go through and break down and see, because what we're gonna look at here now is the extent of the grief that this man was enduring. So we get the three men, and I won't reread the passages where they come from, but to see the purpose, they had made an appointment to come together to comfort their friend. So it was it was pretty well known that this well, good friend of theirs, this wealthy man, had lost everything. It was become well known. So in verse 12, they get close. When they lifted up their eyes afar off, catch this, and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept and rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. Now, what is all this? A lot of this is traditional, but can I tell you, the, the, the boils on Job were so great that they didn't even recognize their friend. He was so physically disfigured as a result of the boils and what Satan had brought into his life that his friends did not recognize him. So one, you have to understand, it gives you a, a little bit of a, a glimpse into the excessive pain that Job was going through. And then what, what did they do? They, they literally lifted up their voice and just wailed. They wept for their friend. Then they rent their clothes. They get another sign of extreme grief, sprinkled dust in their heads toward heaven. These are all traditions and just a proof of how, how much weight, how bad they felt for their friend. These are traditions to symbolize the amount of grief that their friend or they themselves were going through. Christina says, they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw his grief was very great. Really, we do. We see the excessive extent of the pain that Job was going through. So here's the principle. We talked about the idea that this wasn't just Job, but obviously it was his wife, and there's more to it. Let's, let's take a, time, a second here and kind of step away and look at this from, from a, a practical perspective for us. We, we can see that Job, in here, we know he endured pain. He lost excuse me, material wealth, he had lost his children, and frankly, my, you know, my sister passed away, I watched my, my, my parents endure the loss of a, of a daughter, and I, I, it was life-changing, and it, it should be, and it was for me as well to lose a sister, I can't imagine losing all of them, now that I have three children, I think to myself, it, that would be horrible, and I can't imagine losing all of them at one shot, I mean, a large portion of your life is gone, then, then there's physical pain, and, and humanly speaking, it would make sense, God must be punishing Job, which is what his friends will tell him shortly here. Can I tell you that you, you can pull from this and realize that there are going to be times in life where your pain will be excessive, that life will deal just absolute pain. Yes, it, it'll be allowed by God, uh, but yes, sometimes it's just like, why? Because life's not fair. Life is not fair. 
And people say, well, God is fair. Can I just tell you, I don't really think God's fair to me. I mean, he's just, he's righteous, he's, he's godly, but he's not fair. The fact that Jesus had to die on the cross when he did nothing to pay the punishment for my sin, that's not fair. Grace, the, Bible, the word grace is unmerited favor or God giving us something we don't deserve. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's not fair. All right? The fact that he had to endure the pain for us is just not fair. So I hope we understand that premise when we look at this, that uh, God has never promised fair. He's promised grace, he's promised mercy, but he's never promised fair. And what we endure is just not fair. Uh, it's harsh. It's, it's, we live in a sinful world. So I guess my point is this. Even though the Bible says we will sorrow, but as the, not as those who have no hope, it doesn't mean we don't sorrow. I, I've been in funerals for a lot of uh, Christians and the, and the families all make comment. Well, we're just not going to sorrow. We don't need to. You know, he wouldn't want us to, or they, God wouldn't want us to. And maybe I don't know the person sometimes, but can I challenge you? Um, it just still doesn't. It still hurts. This idea that we don't need to be honest with our pain is sometimes a dangerous thing. Now, do we allow our pain to drive us to make decisions, get angry, live in anger, ignore God, give up, and allow ourselves to fall into a lifelong list of depression? No, I don't believe that's biblical because then we need to respond correctly. But when we glance at this, we see a scenario to where he was in pain and yet he still had trust in God. So can I just finish with this? I don't know what you're going through. And some of it might be smaller than others. Some of it might be excessive. So can I challenge you that God loves you, God cares, and sometimes, humanly speaking, Satan will convince you that it's not true, but it is very much. He loves you, he cares, he wants to help you, he wants to encourage you, he wants to get you to a place where you can find peace and freedom and, and grow from this. He wants you to be able to move forward. You need to come to him. Just sit at his feet and just be honest and bear your heart. Give it to God and see how God can be, help you that become the beginning process of moving forward. Well, thanks again for joining us on this Friday morning. Greatly appreciate the privilege to be part of your day and be able to look into the Word of God. We hope it's a help. We hope it's an encouragement. And we're just grateful that you've taken this week to be with us. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again on Monday.